Welcome to Third World Gaming, the number seven show on the ground. Now Be- it's now with two hundred percent more Chinese hardwood stools. Yes, because we have two. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm hoping you've been enjoying the things lately, especially on the new mic setup, and we finally understand how the technicalities work. Yes, you could say we've found the value of things. Yes, and that's what we're looking for now. Don't worry, we haven't priced it yet. Not just yet. But if you're wondering what we're talking about, what we're rambling about, I mean, let's just jump into this. The topic for today is... What is it, Paolo? How do we see the price value of games? We see it with our eyes, Paolo. How do we value... <laughs> how do we... put? How do we put value games? Speaking no good when thinking. But yes, guys, essentially we're trying to find out what is the pr- when is the price right for a game? How do we value it? When is a game cheap? When is it expensive? When is it ludicrous? And when is it just right? Yeah. I mean, we've seen so many titles jumping from, what, dollar games, sometimes free games, dollar. all the way to $90 and more. Um, okay, I have to, I have to say this. No game within the current market has launched with its base version at 90. Uh, I think that was actually the train simulator game was actually around that cost base version yeah then that's the first then that's the first one i've heard of be released at that price within the past five years because i remember they're also the most expensive game if you get all their dlc at over ten thousand dollars yeah but the thing unless you include that thing was it uh saints row that had the one million dollar package no actually well, it was Saints Row, but that was beat up. That was beat by I think either that was Grid or that F one F one game. Because I recall what happened was that I think it was Grid. Yeah, it was Grid two. Um, basically, they had a super awesome collector's edition where he, that was higher than a million because you got a Ferrari and a special edition copy of the game and a special di- edition race wheel. Now, why are we saying these big numbers again? Is that worth it? We've yeah. seen games, especially when it comes to Steam, the PlayStation Network, Microsoft's Xbox. We, uh, we've seen all, and we've also seen all the bitter banter about pre-orders, collectors' editions. We've seen the games on the stores, online, everywhere, and we've seen, and, and pro- even in those sites that give special co- uh, special codes that are like half the price. Since we've like seen G2A. prices going from everywhere. I mean, we've seen the usual free-to-plays, temporary free-to-plays, sometimes special free. Game. And, of course, the average $40, $60 game and we've, the special editions. We've also the same numbers. services give us free games, or at least quote-unquote free games, for as long as you're subscribed to the services, like Games for Gold on Xbox or, or PlayStation Plus on PlayStation. Now, this is something, honestly, I did not really think about growing up simply because when we were, I think even Paolo Merson's childhood where games were essentially one price. Yeah. I mean, games were about 60 bucks. Sometimes you'd find things maybe 40. But uh, games were usually, pesos about uh, that much. Games about were usually... 3,000 pesos, 4,000, somewhere there. Um, Actually, average cost of a game was anywhere from 2,005 to 3 back in the day. Mm. These days, it's just about 1,7 to 2,3. Yeah, but no, no, my, one seven to two five. But yeah, but growing up, essentially there was a set price. I remember yeah. when us US, it'd be sixty dollars or forty dollars. Yeah. But honestly, times have changed, and I mean, I've been playing lots of games. The most expensive game I think I bought at this point 
was just above thirty dollars. I'm currently I've been I'm currently playing a game where I haven't even tossed a single cent. Free to place. Yes. And this birthday, I mean, that's uh, it hit the point where the price of a game I feel is now heavily under question. I mean, especially games like Ground Zero, which Ground demanded Zero's. pretty much full retail. It demanded premium. It was, I think, forty dollars, but. That was only after people started complaining yep. that the PS4 price was actually like fifty. Yeah, about fifty dollars. It was retail. Yeah, yeah, and then they started complaining about it, so they brought it down to forty in line with the PS3 and Xbox 360 versions. Then you didn't see the actually this was also a Japanese game Square Enix when they released their re-release Final Fantasy games in the iOS system which are going for about 16 to 16. 18 dollars yes uh, that's far far more expensive than the usual iOS games yes I believe it's a bit more even than Android games yes and people started oh wondering, and the, right going on that tangent uh, Bandai released this uh, released an Idol Master an Idol Master Xenoglacia game for I think one of the base versions was 117 dollars Wow, okay. Either that was a base or a special version, or that was a base version but with extra free-to-play free to stuff added in. But I think the base game was anywhere from 60 to 117 but again, on but, iOS. But thing is, the games you're saying, that lots of names, There are fa- there's a fan base for it, and there are people yeah. who have paid this price. So we're not saying that a bad game or badly priced game will never be bought. But the but I'm, But instead, we're now trying to ask... How do you value a game? Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked. Paul and I talked a bit, and we seem to value very differently. To like, how I'll I I'll let see you things. start, Miko. How yeah. how do you value a game? For me, I mean, uh, one of the most important things, especially growing up, where I didn't have much games, I'd have at most ten games in my library. Yeah. Replayability was always a major thing to me. I'd have to be able to play it over and over again. And after that was as actually the actual gameplay, the game mechanics were. It will have to be very intuitive. I had to understand how to play it properly, and the other part really being the story. Or I mean, I don't think contents right there. It'd be story essentially something that we can share. It was not really a multiplayer aspect yet. It was something that I felt everyone could really get into. But this was growing up. I think the multiplayer aspect became a bit bigger, but I still happily enjoy single player games of how because of how I grew up. Yeah, I mean that's how I rate them. I have to be able to play it repeatedly. I have to find the game mechanics to be something just very clean because there yeah. are some games that are really nice I mean I enjoy uh, I have to agree that Treyarch's games were very interesting but I never liked the gameplay mechanics it felt very sluggish okay. and that's what killed it for me uh, when it comes to the story which is generally more related to RPG games I grew up with I guess the social or shared thing with multiplayer is more important to me nowadays Okay, I have to have that co-op or competitive feel the game it can't just be a weird extra I mean that's how I would rate and value games whether they're worth what I'm paying for or not worth at all what I'm paying for okay and I have paid for games that I felt I paid way too much and I paid for games that I felt like wow I can't believe I bought for this price okay I think uh, wow I didn't buy- I can't believe I bought for this price actually would be Borderlands okay Borderlands I mean uh, I was very skeptical about the game just because I'm not too keen on American RPGs not yeah. at all Really? I'm not very keen on American RPGs because they're not on. my favorite thing. Since I grew up with JRPGs a lot, so, I have this bias toward uh, against them. So how did you view Skyrim? I found Skyrim to be... Well, 
I guess I played Elder. Thing is, I played Elder Scrolls before. Yeah. So I found it interesting, but I also found it very different from JRPGs. In a good or a bad way? Uh, it was good in the sense that it was a different game. I did not. I could never ever put games like uh, Elder Scrolls anywhere close to games like I grew up with, like Final Fantasy, uh, Final Star Online, or uh, Breath of Fire, uh, Valkyrie. Was it? Was it Valkyrie Profile? Valkyrie Profile. I would never put it in the same area as that. But not because they're like bad games or that. I just find it to be a, such a different experience. Okay. So I was very skeptical about Borderlands, but after playing it, after really enjoying it, I found out that yeah, I pay. I think I bought the game for about eight dollars. That was on the Steam sale on Gotti. Okay. Then I spent I think another, <laughs> I think ten dollars more on getting a whole bunch of DLC. Okay. I've happily paid about forty dollars for that game. Okay. I actually can't believe I bought it so cheap and. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that stopped me was my skepticism because it was an American RPG. Okay. Then I've also paid for games that I felt like I far, far overpaid for. Such as? Uh, the Meat One Company was actually a Sega game. That would be Sonic... Uh, th- that would be actually the Sonic 3D game. Not Sonic CD. It was the first Wait. attempt at Sonic 3D. 3D Blast? Yeah, that was a horrible game. Uh, okay, but on. I think in more recent times, a game I paid way too much for that I felt did not at all filled up was honestly Portals 2. Okay. Uh, I enjoy Portals. I mean, I really, really enjoy Portals. But? But Portals 2 just felt far shorter. It felt like a. It felt like a small expansion. I mean, it was different for Portals 1, but I felt like it should have been a little cheaper. Okay. Uh, I didn't get Portals in the Orange Box Collection. I think I got that. Uh, I got Portals 1 and Portals 2 separately. I got Portals 1 for about $15, if I remember. And I got Portals 2 for about $20, or somewhere around there. Okay. I honestly did not find it worth that much. I would have happily paid about $5 or about maybe $10 for the game. But for what I was getting for, it just felt... Same, lots of the same. The old. There were changes to it, but I felt like I overpaid. Okay. And I guess another game that maybe comes to mind that I overpaid for was on iOS. I'm very mixed on whether or not I feel because I think I I bought it more because I'm a fan of the series. I you know, do. Ha- which Inosha? <laughs> no, no, not Inosha. I mean, Inosha. I'm happy. I happily. Uh, Inosha games were free. Uh, oh, okay. You only paid if you wanted Which, extra okay, stuff. Okay, so what game was this? Uh, Final Fantasy. I actually do have it on my uh, setup. Which Final Fantasy I have did you pay? Tactics. Which, Which was, was the about... one that you felt that you overpaid? I only have one, Tactics. I did not get uh, 5 or 6 yet. Okay. I'm thinking of getting 5 or 6, but people have been complaining about the controls. I've, I hear, felt like... I've heard people complain about 5 or 6 based on the quality of the game. And that them saying that the GBA remakes were actually better. Yeah, I hear the same thing. Uh, what's the tactics? No, no, sorry, not tactics. Uh, the original Final Fantasy. Uh, okay. Final Fantasy One, essentially. Okay. I felt it was just I paid about sixteen dollars for that, and you know I was hoping for the nostalgic feel and things. It didn't happen. I mean, I paid. I happily paid that much because I trusted Square Enix. I trusted the branding of the game. And then after playing it for playing with it, I realized that oh my gosh, I've played games that were like one dollar or three dollars in the iOS store that I'm having far more fun with. Okay. This one just feels so tiresome to do. Okay. 
Uh, and for me, just the value I paid for it, like, hey, I paid for this because it's this. Kind of similar to some people buying Ground Zero because, hey, it's Kojima. Hey, it's, you know, Metal Gear. Yeah. But, you know, after playing with it, it's a, you just felt like you had this buyer's remorse. Yeah. And I felt it heavily there because it was not worth paying for that. I mean, I've paid that much maybe for a PlayStation port or a console port, but not on the iOS device. Okay. The controls itself didn't even feel that right for an iOS system. Okay. And I mean, yeah, that's how I grade these things. There are a lot of different ways to grade, but I know I've talked a bit here. Follow up with you. How would you grade your things? Well, as a person who, when growing up, ha- happened to have a um, a good, a relatively good access to a variety of games, this will probably also t- be touched upon in one of our other topics on a later date. My look at the value of the price of a game would usually be based largely on content. What is content, you ask? I define content based on, well, what the game provides of you, provides for you. How much meaningful time that the game can provide for you in terms of the things you have to do in the, in the main storyline or the things that the mechanics allow you to do or the things that or basically the extra things that can be done because of the nature of a certain game. Um, to put an example to this, to put a to put an example to this, um, with regards to Titanfall, I paid pretty much the full price for a PC copy of that game. Now, as far as the content of the game is concerned, being a multiplayer-only shooter, that's Tit- a single-player aspect. Yeah, yeah, pretty much like saying... Narration. Yeah, pretty much like saying glue is coconut milk. (laughs) Basically, what I was getting from the package was a really good... Was really good. The multiplayer was fun. And and, um, it's been, I think, uh, how many months? Oh, right. It's been about anywhere from three to five months since the game has launched. And I can still easily get into matches. I can still get easily get into matches. I could still have a good, good fun time, and I could still do amazingly dumb things or dumbly amazing things in the game. So basically, w- with the content I'm getting, it's really, it's really good for what I'm for what I paid for. But there isn't enough of it. Basically. It's a game that is enjoyable, but you, that but I can't really see myself, like um, tossing long hours into solely because apart from that multiplayer experience and apart from the random new mode that they toss in every now and then or the new multiplayer mode that I decide to do, it's basically like this: you have like the best sandwich in the world, but the size of that sandwich is the equivalent of. A hash brown in McDonald's. Oh, yeah, that's not so big. <laughs> yeah. So, in that case, I could say I felt like I overpaid. Now, as for a game... As for a game where I feel like I've either underpaid or feel like, Wow, this is available to me that... But this is available to me for, like, this price, but 
oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm really enjoying this so much. Warframe was a good example of this because I went into the game solely because solely under a joke mentality that I could do that I could mess around with this game acting like a Power Ranger because well ninjas in space I'm pretty sure somewhere out there there's a show about that um probably a common writer somewhere in space no no that no that was a metal no there was a metal hero that was a ninja not in space but it was a ninja and there was a Super Sentai that was also a, a ninja that had space stuff in like a, like several years later. But basically, I came into it with a joking mentality. And as I continued playing the game, I found myself deeply engrossed into everything with the game. As so much to the point that yes, I have actually thrown, as, as of this count, the equivalent of $100 Worth of my real-world money on in-game stuff. Were these hats? No. these were. This was in-game currency. Well, that's slightly better than mine, then. And I'll be... I like hats. And, uh, and I'll be honest. With all the fun I got out of the game, though, admittedly, uh, admittedly, some of the... A uh, number of the aspects of the game can be very grindy. So because well, of, I mean, Warframe was really felt like again a Western RPG where there was going to be insane amount of grinding. Yeah, but it was an enjoyable grind. It's like a really enjoyable grind, and seeing the different wep- seeing your different mod weapon and other combinations at play, it was very fulfilling. So much so that, so much so that I would actually have paid for Prime Access if given the chance to. In fact, it's for this reason I had to uninstall the game, because if I kept it on my system, I would have just, well, forgot about everything else. Actually, I'd like to just cut in here. I mean, we both seem to have replayability as something very high. So I'm out of curiosity here. Let's say on uh, Steam, essentially, she records how much game time you spent on it. Yeah. What is the most time you've ever spent on a game? 247 on Warframe. 247? Wow. And how long have you had Warframe? That was in the span of a month. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like the month I got it, all the way to the all the way to the month I decided I need to cut off of this game or else this will affect my everything else. Okay, just let me do the math quickly here. Two hundred and forty-seven hours in one month. Yeah. So you essentially played about eight hours a day. That was a job. A bit more than a job. You're essentially logging eight hours of game time a day. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Like the most I ever spent on a game on Steam specifically was a Borderlands at now three hundred and ten hours of it, I believe. Okay. But I think the most time I ever spent on a game might have at this point would have been Minecraft, which was boarding easy in the thousands of hours. But well, there is no way to, to record fair, it officially. This was also during the summer. This so was- essentially, that was your summer job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also had a summer job, but I w- but basically I was in a position where I where I, where it was fine for me to not t- not be too uh, basically I was in a position that wasn't too integral. So, yeah, I found a way to squeeze in Warframe time. So, you're saying that in summer you worked a normal job, but in when people didn't know you were essentially playing a, you know, common rider guy up in space. 
So you're uh, saying for for a summer your life was kind of like an anime or like a TV show? No, 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 no. Um, what would happen was that I punch out early, and then my life was like a tokusatsu show. Oh, that's how it works. But yeah, I mean, uh, wow, still that's a lot of hours in a game, and yeah. But I mean, I have the same thing. Once in Counter Strike, I would yeah. easily spend about eight to ten hours per day on it. Uh, well, I am talking to the guy who was what part of top 50 in the US I don't know and Aisha was part of the top 100 the US did not have an official way to count at that point because oh, remember, okay. this is a time when uh, professional gaming was still technically underground. underground so we'd have you know essentially these weird like areas and in Asia I ranked in the top 100 okay and the US well I think they may have had their ranking but their ranking was based off like districts or very small areas versus what we had which was a lot bigger Okay. Uh, the only Which place I never problem. ranked with was with the Chinese one because that was his own set of things. Okay. Uh, mine was Jenny around Southeast Asia, including parts of Korea at that point. Yeah, essentially parts of Korea. So I did rank pretty high there. And yeah, it was 8 to 10 hours a day. It hit the point where uh, I was playing the game so much, I'd have dreams essentially playing Counter Strike. So yeah, that was kind of a really awkward time. But for me, that's what I enjoyed about Counter Strike was actually the replayability. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed that game, though. I guess one thing that made it a lot live a lot longer was the fact that there was community support and there were skins. Yeah. But gosh, yeah, uh, Source did not have skins, and I was playing professionally with Source. It was just a really, really fun game. The mechanics felt very right. The replayability was amazing. I mean, it, it's kind of strange to think nowadays because all I essentially did was. Uh, you know, start game, pick guns, shoot, shoot, repeat process until either you're asleep or you feel you went insane. Or you won. But I guess I mean, that comes from the fact that growing up, I mean, the games I had, which were generally platformers, things on consoles, were very simplistic. I mean, I didn't have multiple levels of things to worry about. I mean, the first time I actually encountered a game that had multiple levels of things I had to think about would have been Hitman. Okay. Uh, the original Hitman I played on PC. That's the first time I encountered a game where the concept was not, you know, grab gun and kill the target. Okay. It was pretty brutal in the sense that you had to go through some very special things. You had to think, you had to plan. You had to plan, think, everything goes to rank. I mean, I played Tom Clancy games, okay. uh, like Rainbow Six, which did have a planning section. Yeah. Though my plan was simply, how do we save this hostage? We're going to go in there and kill everyone. What about the hostage? Oh yeah, uh, we'll not kill him. But everyone else going to be dead. That was essentially my idea was as a kid. Kill everything else except the hostage? Yeah. Okay. It's only until Hitman that's where I realized... That's actually a sound strategy. Yeah. It's that's only in Hitman I kind of realized, book. oh, there's time of thinking. And I guess that's where my value of game changed. Okay. Or my replayability now required, I guess, what you put as content and things you could experience. Yeah. Uh, mine being just extra levels of play. I found Hitman a little too much for me to really fully appreciate. Okay. I actually do have Hitman Solution. I currently got that from my uh, Steam. It's Can you run it on Mac? Of course, I I have it. I mean, I only have like five games which I can't run, which I just purchased because why? It was on sale. Oh gosh, it's it was ninety percent off. It's one thing to be buying games and hoarding them on your Steam library. It's another thing to be doing so knowing that that game won't run on your platform. No, no, no. it won't run on my current platform. You don't know what the future might bring. I might have something better. Can it run on Mac at least? Yes. Except for two. My point stands for those two games. (laughs) 
It was 90% off. My point stands. <laughs> I might get PC. Might. I said my point stands. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, still, the playability of those things, I enjoyed it. And the two games I did buy, I did enjoy them on PC. I mean, I re-got them because they were available, so I figured, why not? I might build one in the future. Probably won't. Might make another Linux or something else or another better Steam-powered system or a Mac. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think even... A Hackintosh? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, But I mean... I get where you're coming from where the content and things you would experience are very important nowadays. I still treat it as replayability. I treat content as basically just this overarching description and of the things you can do in a game. So I'm the thing you the things you can do and experience in a game. So I'm talking well, basically missions, storyline, multiplayer, um secrets, um hid weird things you could do in the game like in like big head mode or sometime or like um the or the weird past the pastimes and the sports you can do in GTA 5 those are the things i class as content okay i mean for me i will actually completely overlook those i find those to be these weird frivolous extras well i mean description um, multiplayer multiplayer for me is kind of nice nowadays yeah. though i prefer specifically co-op not just multiplayer but i love co-op yeah well actually that's the other thing. I do also tend to put a greater value on co-op as opposed to, you know, quick match competitive. I mean, competitive games can be fun. I mean, yeah. I, we played a lot, especially in college. We played a lot of competitive games. Yeah. And but I, I remember specifically enjoying Battlefield Vietnam. Yeah. Just because we could work together. Yes. Or fail, did, hor- oh. or fail horribly while doing so. Which happened a number of times. Like that one time where Mike murdered me he just just so that he could claim a helicopter all to himself. Only to realize that, that that meant I would not be able to respawn because we lost all our points. Mike, I hope you're hearing this. I'm coming for you. I remember when very I met through a chopper and I was with firm. him. And very, he jumped out the chopper. Very firm. And didn't tell me. Ah, the fun thing about co-op, where you can have the ultimate f- things with your friends and completely hate them. <laughs> yes. But I mean, co-op for me is a very big thing. Uh, but I guess it's also something I kind of realized growing up. Uh, when I uh, sorry, not growing up, when I was older, because growing up, I generally had single-player games. I had a few multiplayer, but you know, back then, multiplayer was what two people. Yeah, it's only when I hit the N sixty four where. I played my very first four-person game, which was GoldenEye 007. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. That was an awesome game. Then, of course, Mario Kart. Yeah. Then Diddy Kong Racing. You didn't play Mario Mario Party? No, no. We kind of wanted to like each other. Okay. I've seen what Mario Party does. Have you seen what Mario Wii does to people in co-op? Oh, Mario Wii is probably one of the games I felt like I'm confused about what I paid for it. I paid full retail. I paid about, I think sixty dollars for that game when it came out because I, okay. I uh, I'm much of a Sonic guy. I am. Uh, there's not much new Sonic games, and my nephew likes Mario, so we got Mario. Yeah. I'm so mixed about that game. Which one? For what uh, Mario? I paid full retail for it, but I feel like I got my money's worth on on the game. I may enjoy it. It's very replayable. Okay. Except if you go into multiplayer, then I just felt like this is the worst game I've ever played in my life. Was this Super Mario Brothers Wii? Yeah, new Super Mario. Yeah, Brothers new Super Wii. Mario Brothers Wii. The one where the the one that's being dubbed as new, as Super Mario Brothers holes. Yeah, that was uh, 
Oh god, a uh, single player. Oh, no. really, really fun. Oh, the once you start adding people, new Super Mario Brothers Wii U is even worse. Because I remember, like, uh, we played with four people. It was myself, uh, my nephew, and? uh, my sister, and uh, my ex girlfriend. We all played it, and it hit the point where we were essentially screaming at each other. Okay. It's like, stop being an idiot! Move faster, move faster! How long ago was this? Oh, it was like, what, three, four years ago. Okay. But yeah, I remember that. It actually hit the point, and especially when, uh, you guys know this, when we play play co-op games with me, sometimes I get very serious. Yeah. And that point is getting very serious because we were repeating the same level like 10 times. So, okay, all of you guys, this is the plan. All of you go in your tiny flying bubble, I'll finish the stage. We're just gonna get out of this. I mean, you guys seen how serious I can be. You remember how serious I can get with some games. That just reminds me of the of the t- that time where I was um, cursing Gears with my cousins and constantly calling them a thing that I can't say here because it's not PG, but it does involve leather and tightness. But yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, and I think I re- recalled this story to you when you just got mortified. Yep. But guys, uh, again, the co-op thing, the I kind of like it, but there are games that... That's why for that Mario, I'm very mixed about the money I spent. Okay. It's like, it's an awesome single-player game. If you play with friends, you just want to kill them. Okay. And I guess it mixed there, I mean... But there are other games like that where I feel like I'm kind of mixed on the value. Okay. But in the end, I mean, I don't feel bad about buying the game. I don't have any buyer's remorse for it because it is a fun game. Okay. And there are games there, I mean, going further on that, the multiplayer aspect where... Multiplayer, I guess, it's still not too big a thing for me getting from growing up. True. But I mean, like, games like Borderlands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love how it's single player and the multiplayer co-op feels so seamless. Yes. It's very... It's, um... What's the term I'm looking for? Asymmetric? Yeah, and I, as I said, I mean, I would have actually paid $40 for the game. At uh, this point, because I now fully understand and appreciate the game. Yeah. And again, you were saying about the features and things. Uh, I remember you mentioned things like the big head mode. So you're saying like an interesting feature for you is like the... Well, back in our day, it was cheats. I mean, you yeah. activate big head notes via cheats or basically, sometimes they were unlocks. Basically, when, with describing content, I'm adding stuff like big head mode or random secrets or basically fun mini games or fun little things that you could do. For example, like those times where you 100% a game and you get this one item that suddenly feels makes you feel so powerful that it might actually break the game. Like in Spyro 2, where if you got 100%, you actually got a permanent fireball fireball um power up for spyro where basically all of his fire breaths are now the now that long uh kamehameha hadoken fire blasting that basically explodes anything it touches okay actually i always found it so funny about games i mean i enjoy playing games also i mean i tried to 100 but i tried to 100 games i enjoy yeah. And yeah, I do end up getting those like really amazing unlocks, these overpowered unlocks. Though I just find it funny because by the time you get it, since you already finished everything in the game, it feels kind of pointless to have it. Yeah. It's like it's the ultimate thing you have wanted to have when you were trying to finish it in the first place. Yeah. Now that you have it, it's like, hey, well, now what? For me, 
for me, it only started uh, setting in once I realized, once I pretty much, like, I think it took at least two, three sessions of the game to realize, oh gosh, I've done, like, practically everything, and, like, I've done it again. Only quicker. Yeah. I mean, like, especially when it was said Resident Evil, when you got, like, these special weapons. Yeah. Like, in, like, the second or third playthrough, you can unlock special things. Okay. I mean, it became fun, then it hit the point where, what's the point of my, what am I doing now? It's like, I okay. wish I had this earlier on, like the rocket launcher. Okay. When you, uh, in Resident Evil 3, where you could play the mini game and unlock, like, uh, newer things. Okay. And when I got the infinite ammo rocket launcher, it hit the point where, what's the point of this game now? Okay. It's like I fin- I sp- I was just speed running and hey I finished it this fast yeah I got the A I said S rating and like okay that really didn't feel like it was worth it okay. it's weird I mean like I enjoyed but that one there I don't devalue the game because of that I think that point I'm valuing it because of the journey there yeah it didn't feel like a grind which is something I hate in other games uh especially games like even Skyrim Borderlands yeah. there is grinding and I'm annoyed by it. But the end product of the grind for me is worth it. Versus okay. in some Japanese games where the grind itself is really the fun section. Yeah. And, the res- and the reward you're getting is this little extra. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I, that's how I see it that way. Those extra features. Though the cheat modes... When did cheats be... Uh, this is probably a topic for something else. But when did cheat modes, be- cheat modes become like this weird... When like did cheat a, unlocks or when did cheat modes become DLC is actually the is actually or, my question. No, seriously. Um, um, you had. Um, I know this from Saints Row. I know this from <coughs> Dead Rising Two. The cheat modes you have to buy them. Wow. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that the joke? You know, before when you're a kid, you unlock something by beating the game four times with this character perfect. Nowadays, how do you unlock that with my credit card? Yeah. Oh gosh, but again, uh, I guess that's also another thing about value of games. That's also what affected it. The fact that you essentially can add components to your game via DLC. Did that make the game worth it more, worth less? Well, I think it's, it's, this, uh, well to be fair, there are games that do feel like con- that, like the content was cut out and just turned into DLC. Um, I think a perfect example of this would be Asura's Wrath. Where basically the ending, I'm not even saying the true ending, I'm saying the ending, like the actual ending of the game. You couldn't get that unless you paid $12. Wow. Like, if you didn't do that, you got a horrible cliffhanger. Like, not even like ending with a cliffhanger. I'm talking about a cliffhanger that doesn't even feel like an ending. Remember Diablo 3? <laughs> no, no, let's not even go there. <laughs> no, no, and the problem with there was the real money auction house. And the always online. Yeah. And the fact that it felt like a demo for the console version. But again, these are things, though, that we changed the dynamic. <laughs> back to I mean, what we started this out with, where when you were growing up, there were standards of prices. There was 60 bucks, 40 bucks. <coughs> but now everything is priced differently. And there I think, are numerous different standards for pricing. And also, um, I feel like the... Anywhere from free. You've got your free-to-play games. You've got your $1 games on the PlayStation Minis or iOS or Android stores. You've got your $5 games, which are which is par for the course for your cheaper downloadables. You've got $10, which is pretty much standard for down- downloadables, but you also have your $15 
your um your fifteen dollar downloadable game prices for for um, certain games that people feel like they could charge more. You've got twenty dollar downloadable games. Even you even have games like at um that come out at weird prices like twenty two to thirty dollars. You have games launching as full disc release on and forty dollars, and you also have um. Um, games releasing at fifty or sixty dollars, and let's not even go to the collector's editions because you have collector's editions as cheap as the first launch copies of a retail of a game at the retail price to anything as expensive as that um the Call of Duty drone own package that cost two hundred fifty dollars for a drone that literally wouldn't fly and lost battery in five minutes. Yep, I remember that one. That was Black Ops, if I'm correct. And I mean, we're not even looking into the numerous sales. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen game sales growing up. Except, you know, in the bargain bins. But those are things that any people didn't want, or secondhand things. Yeah. But I honestly think one of the biggest factors that really affected the game market sales. was... No, uh, the sale, the price of things specifically, yeah. was indie developers. Indie developers. I mean, I'm not giving any hate whatsoever to indie developers, but the fact that... There's some games that were just made so well at, that were priced at like five, ten dollars, even at one, mm-hmm. and some at one. And I, honestly, I'm of the opinion that that the industry was coming to a point where it kind of needed that kick, and the indie and indie developers were well pra- practically that kick because they also came at around the same time where some AAA devs well were doing were basically. Giving us gimped content or <laughs> shovelware, gimped content like again, Asura's Wrath. Pay ten dollars to get the ending, and the fact that uh, really the value of what you're getting. I mean, uh, guess an indie game I remembered I enjoyed was Castle Crushers. Yes, and I paid about what? Uh, well, I didn't pay it. It's my friend who paid it. About five bucks at that point. I played on his system. Yeah. Uh, I did not get it yet because I feel like if I buy this, I need friends who play it more. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I I'm pretty certain we all have those. Really? Okay, I gotta get that one then. And but I'll, that game there, and it was yeah. really really fun. It's a great platformer, and no, it's actually a brawler. Castle Crash is a brawler. What's oh, sorry, that's not. Was it be brawler or hack and slash? Um. Bra- arcade brawler but yeah I mean I played that one ah. enjoyed it thoroughly then I saw games that were heck I mean Super Smash Bros uh, it's a fun game I'll agree to that uh, I got that for $40 so it was for the Wii yeah I'd honestly rather play Castle Crushers just because it's for me it's more replayable okay. it's it's funny that because I actually played Super Smash Bros. 64 and I enjoyed that so much but then I went on the Wii it felt so weird, so different, so alien to me okay. that I did enjoy it. That I felt like I could not play it. For Castle Crushers, which I had the experience also with Newgrounds, where it came in. Okay. Why am I saying Castle Crushers? Castle Crashers. You now you're just giving some weird some guy <laughs> on Android or iOS an idea to make a cheap riff off, rip off with like um, predatory microtransactions. Like get fifty, get your axe for fifty dollars. Then, I mean, from that point, that's why I really looking at games, especially in iOS, where I saw absurdly expensive games. Yeah. Especially, heck, just looking at the games at the $1 rating, $1 to $3 rating. Yeah. I'd see games for $3, and across the line, why the heck would I pay $3 for you when there's another game 
that has far more for three dollars. Like when I got Infinity, uh, was it Infinity Blade or something else? I got that for about three bucks. Okay. And there was another game. It was really amusing. It was a uh, I forgot what the name was now. Something Town, Bear Town, or something. It was a it's a it was a puzzle game. Oh, it was a puzzle game. It's a puzzle game, game not that a, uh, it's a free to play game. Not that. Kind no, no, of no. Game. It's a free to play game. Bear, where... I'm sorry, I hear Bear Town. It's like sounds very um. Yeah. But stuff. yeah, it was a free to play game where you know you had to wait X number of hours for your turns, blah blah blah. Okay. Uh, or you could pay like three dollars and have unlimited turns. Okay. And like access to new places and all these things. And I was like, hey, I act, but honestly, I play that game a lot. I probably spent as much time playing that game as I did Borderlands, honestly, honestly, because it was an it's a pocket game. Okay. But I could never tell myself to pay the three bucks for it. Simply because I saw other games for three dollars, I'd rather get, and which I did. Okay. And the funny thing about though about that game was the fact that you had to wait actually made the, made the game more enjoyable because okay. you'd forget what your plan was, so it forced me to rethink my plan. So I'd end up getting essentially a new puzzle every time. Ah, I see. It was kind of weird like that. Okay. But yeah, uh, so closes up. What's your idea to how would you value a game? Like, what's the most important criteria for you to value a game? Honestly, this isn't. Going... You have to choose one thing. What would it be? Honestly, if I had to choose one thing, I would value a game based on how much I, how much I would enjoy it. Okay. Not because basically. Basically, I look up as much as I can about the game, and then at the end of the day, see, ask myself uh, before I even pr- uh, click the purchase button: Will I be able to get the enjoyment out of this game? And I'd be saying that to myself, irregardless of whether or not I'm paying, I'm paying just like one dollar to try some to try. Uh, a game I found on a Steam sale, or even sixty bucks for the brand new shiny release. True, I mean, but uh, what will what do you think? What aspect will make you fully enjoy it? From replayability to the game mechanics to the content, what specifically do you think would make you appreciate it? No, the most. All of it. If it had what? All of it. Like one thing, one thing only. Like what's for you? It's the most important aspect for you to pay you know anything for a game the content because then the content would actually yeah but which content the content basically basically the game basically the game the game the gameplay mechanics and the gameplay mission structure because in my opinion those are the things that will decide for me how replayable the game the game is that's pretty much why I'm able to go through Borderlands. That's pretty much why Borderlands 2 is easy for me to get back into, regardless of how many times I end up as a as a near dead vault hunter in you know Windshear wastes. Because the structure of the game and the mechanics lend well to replayability. I guess for me, one of the major important things, even though it's probably not part of the things growing up, which was replayability in game mechanics was actually that new aspect I discovered which was the social part. Uh, as much as possible for me, what is most important about for me to have value the game is the fact that I can share the experience with someone else. Okay. I'm As much as I played single player a lot, I enjoy those things so much. The thing I realized what I enjoyed most about single player was the fact I could talk to other people who played the game. Okay. So nowadays I discovered that, honestly, 
sharing the experience with someone with the game, be it Borderlands 2, Minecraft, or anything else, for me, drastically improved the game. Even if I it was something new. Heck, I played Unturned with one of my friends. Yeah. Unturned is a retarded game. I mean, I, it's really weird. Okay. But the fact that you no, know, I could actually share this with my friend somehow made it all worth it. Okay. Even if it's a bad game, even if it's a good game. So for me, that's the major thing that always make me pay maybe top premium for the game is the fact that I can share it with my friend. Okay. Anyway, guys, so tell us what you think in the comments below. You know, what is that major aspect that will make you decide to pay a game maybe for 40 much, bucks, 20 bucks? How much do you value... Do you value How much do you value a game? Do you have a objective criteria for this, or ultimately does it really matter? Per does the value you put matter per game based on a different metric? Yeah, so let us know what you think below, and be sure to check out the other shows like Third World Linux, Bodega Knights. We're back! Yay! And Imaginary the, clapping in the background. Uh, the Sunstar Podcast. Of course, check out the other episodes in Third World Gaming. Uh, yeah, check us out on channel14.com. Got to this point, this is the off tangent section. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah, I've been uh, honestly been looking at a whole bunch of games. I've been actually waiting for sales. Good gosh! You just reminded me that winter is coming. Yes, it is. I can't believe I in in Steam. I have about forty-four games. I've only really played eight of them. I have 24. How many have you played? Recently, how many I could claim to actively play right now within the span of this month? Uh, three. Hey, same as me. I have 44 games. I only replayed three. And that would be Civ 5, Borderlands 2, and Counter-Strike, which I barely play. Mine would be Borderlands 2, War Thunder, and whichever 2D game I decide to play when I decide to like okay let's bring down the controller and play something but honestly I mean one of the new games I got was uh, Batman I think was it uh, Arkham City or is it Arkham Asylum I don't remember which um, it's the does Origins run on Mac though uh, I'm not even gonna try okay I know why but is it I know why but okay th okay if <clears throat> it's probably Wait. Uh, was it white? The background was white on the logo? No. I don't think so. Because if that's the case, it was probably Asylum. Okay, either way, the only reason I don't like playing it, it's really fun. But it was horribly ported to the PC slash Mac. Control, if you did not have a gamepad controller, games sucked horribly. I'm always under that assumption with a number of games, especially games. I see Tomb Raider. I did not enjoy just because the game could not be played because the controls suck. Again, that's. I'm always of the opinion that if you're going with a third person view or if you're a 2D platformer or whatnot, I'm pretty much suspect of your capability to be played well on a mouse and keyboard setup. 
I'll be honest, a situation like Warframe is not the norm, or at least not yet the norm. Warframe is a third-person game that works incredibly well on a mouse and keyboard setup. Like Hitman, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, there were a lot more keys than my Nostromo had yeah. to work with, but also it worked really, really well on mouse and keyboard. Same with Loadout. It, lo it works really well on mouse and keyboard, despite the footage of the game making me say, Oh gosh, do I really have to buy a controller right now? Oh gosh. Uh, obviously, going again to look for another peripherals. I'm still deciding if I should get gamepad for my Mac. I have taken a uh, look. Such a life of Mac gamer. I have, for stuff. I have taken a look at uh, drivers for Mac software. For Mac, um, most... Um, if I if I am correct, one of there's this one guy who has worked on a who's working on who's constantly working on an Xbox driver for Mac. Um, for um, be forewarned, the um, the driver the driver's reliability has mostly been tested well only on standard X, uh, Xbox controllers, not um, something like the Sabertooth. Don't worry, I'm sure us Mac gamers.